0: Southgate vibes a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate amateur radio news I'm Steve Richards Gulf for hotel papa echo you're going to hear my personal pics of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. It's great to have you along for this latest edition of Southgate Vibes. We've been leafing through the stories, looking for interesting stuff about amateur radio and communications, and we've got four interesting items for you this time. It never ceases to amaze me about how wide the world of radio is and there are incredible advances taking place all the time and not all of these are professional. Radio amateurs are still breaking the boundaries of communications technology and in some areas they're leading the way in the research. Just one example is ultra-weak signal processing. And indeed, our first item reveals the pioneering spirit of amateur radio. We've reported before on preparations to activate one of the most remote and sought-after islands close to Antarctica, Bouvet Island. This is a major operation, worthy of a military unit, and has needed eye-watering amounts of money to get it off the ground. But the team are determined to put Bouvet on the air in November 2022. Here's an update on their planning and preparation. America's National Amateur Radio Society, the ARRL, says that two new team members for the forthcoming 3 Yankee 0 Juliet de-Expedition to Bouvet Island have come on board. They replace in part three of the original team, who are now unable to make the trip. Joining the 3Y0J crew will be César, Victor Echo 3 Lima Yankee Charlie, and Otis, November Papa 4 Golf. A third replacement has not yet been named. In a media release, which also updated planning progress towards the rare island activation, the d expedition leaders said that the new team's experience would be a great addition. Ken, Lima Alpha 7 Gulf India Alpha, Runa, Lima Alpha 7 Tango Hotel Alpha, and Ervan, Lima Bravo 1 Quebec India, are sharing the leadership duties. The 3Y0J team has also been busy selecting the gear that they will need once they reach the sub-Antarctic island. Arctic Lavo of Norway will be supplying the team with specialised tents. This includes three custom-made tents for radio operation and sleeping. The manufacturer, having its factory at 70 degrees north, is taking extra steps to ensure that their high-quality products will sustain the bouvet climate. The tent design, which stood up to winds of 40 metres per second, that's nearly 90 miles per hour when it was tested in extreme conditions on Svalbard, will be improved further by adding extra guying levels and by strengthening the aluminium frame. SILCOM of South Africa will supply custom masts for the Yagi antennas that would be rated for the bouvet environment. The aluminium mast will be used for the tri-band aerials, while the smaller, galvanised steel mast will support dual-band yagis. The expedition team said that all masts have been through detailed engineering to optimise the technical specification and rating to fit their specialised antennas. The square, telescopic masts have tilt-over functionality and can easily handle winds of 45 metres per second at an elevation of 10 metres. The team continued that they've been taking preparation to the next level by procuring a Zodiac Mill Pro inflatable boat. The strategic decision to buy the boat will enable them to train in Norway for the critical beach landing on Bouvet Island. Having access to the exact same boat as will be used at Bouvet is just another step the team are taking to ensure the success of the activation. So far, the team have spent more than $130,000 on its total estimated cost. They've reached an income level of $500,000, but still critically need an additional $160,000 in support to be able to mount the operation. Going to Bouvet is a huge undertaking financially, as all of their expenses are effectively upfront. You can follow the team's plans via its website www.3yankee0juliet.no or on the 3Y0J Facebook page. And you can view Bouvet Island from above in a short YouTube video. Just go to YouTube and type in 3Yankee Zero Juliet Bouvet Island De-Expedition 2022. You are listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. It's all about radio and the wider world of communications. I've picked out some of the latest stories from Southgate Amateur Radio News and you can find a lot more by going to southgatearc.org. Now, I think you know by now that one of my biggest moans is about man-made interference to the radio spectrum. The noise floor, particularly on shortwave frequencies, has been creeping up year on year in the last decade. The culprits are cheap equipment without the necessary filtering and some telecommunication technologies that irresponsibly radiate from overhead wires. To me, this is nothing short of a pollution crime, and commercial and military users are complaining just as much as amateur radio enthusiasts. But some regulators seem more proactive than others in wanting to deal with this ever-increasing problem. So it is encouraging to find that in Sweden, the government have decided that everyone who pays an electricity bill will help to fight electromagnetic pollution of the airwaves. Sweden's government is increasing the levy charged on household electricity bills to enable the Swedish Electrical Safety Agency to improve electromagnetic compatibility compliance and reduce radio frequency pollution from electronic devices. In the Swedish electronics magazine, Electronic, an article reports that the government has decided to increase the so-called electrical safety fee for 2022. The money will be used to reduce interference between electrical products. In practice, it's about the Swedish electrical safety agency's work with electromagnetic compatibility issues. As we use more and more electrical and electronic products, plus we become more dependent on wireless communication, it is becoming more common for the devices to interfere with each other. Therefore, more information is needed to prevent these problems, but also practical work needs to be undertaken in the field when systems suffer interference from each other. In order for the Swedish Electrical Safety Agency to keep up with developments in this area, the government decided in the budget to increase the agency's administrative funding for 2022. The Swedish Electrical Safety Agency's activities are financed by electrical safety fees and these have been used to bolster the agency's allocation. For companies, the electrical safety fee will increase by approximately 85 Swedish krona per year. That's about £7 or 8 euros. And household costs will increase by 0.85 Swedish krona. That's about 7 pence in UK currency per year. You can read the whole story on the Electronic Magazine webpage, but you will need to use Google Translate if you want to read it in English. A little bit of democracy in action now. The UK regulator Ofcom is bound by certain requirements in the same way as other governmental departments and national organisations. Any citizen may submit what is known as a freedom of information inquiry to which the regulator must respond. Some people have clearly been busy because Ofcom has recently responded on three separate amateur radio related topics. The UK regulator Ofcom has recently been responding to a number of Freedom of Information requests. As part of the response, Ofcom has released the database of 149,483 amateur radio call signs in the UK and Crown dependencies, as at December 2021. The database of allocated and reserved call signs can be useful for people wanting to apply for a specific call sign, as it shows calls which are not available for issue. The reserved call sign entry may however specify the date when the call will be available for reissue. It is worth noting that in this database, regional secondary locators are not specified. So, for example, the call sign Mike Uniform Zero Whiskey Lima Victor appears as Mike Zero Whiskey Lima Victor and Two Echo Zero Hotel X-Ray Echo appears as Two Zero Hotel X-Ray Echo. You can download the December 2021 callsigns database from WhatDoTheyKnow.com together with the accompanying Ofcom Freedom of Information response letter. To determine which call signs might be available in addition to the database of issued call signs, you should use the Ofcom database of forbidden suffixes at www.ofcom.org.uk. Those who have passed the full exam have the option of applying for call signs from the Golf and Mike call sign blocks, including Golf 2, Golf 3, Golf 4, Golf 5 and Mike 5. These can be obtained from Ofcom by filling in a paper application form and giving your three preferred choices of call sign. The form OFW346 can also be downloaded from the Ofcom website, www.ofcom.org.uk. For those selecting a foundation or intermediate call sign, the database can be used to see which calls are available in the Mic 3, Mic 6, Mic 7 or 2-something-0 or 2-something-1 call blocks. In another Freedom of Information request, Ofcom was asked how many radio amateurs operating hotspots had breached regulations. Many amateurs create their own internet hotspots, for example, to access the digital voice networks such as DMR. The wording of the request was, Please can Ofcom give the numbers of amateur radio licences that have been revoked due to the holder breaching regulations regarding hotspots, specifically allowing third parties to access their hotspot. Also, please provide the number of amateur radio operators who have been warned for the same reason, allowing third parties to access their hotspots. Ofcom replied that they had investigated the request and confirmed that the answer was zero. Ofcom had not revoked any amateur radio licences or warned any licensed radio amateurs because they had allowed a third party to access their hotspot. Last November, another Freedom of Information request asked Ofcom if they'd issued any warnings to people who abuse repeater stations. Repeater stations receive weaker amateur radio signals from cars or handheld transceivers and relay them at higher power, thus effectively increasing the range of the operator. Ofcom replied that they had investigated the request and confirmed that the answer was none. Ofcom said that they did hold records that three local repeaters had suffered from abuse or interference. However, these were all dealt with by the repeater keeper, removing the repeater from service, and no warnings were issued in any of these cases. You can submit a Freedom of Information request to Ofcom online at www.whatdotheyknow.com. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. Monitor radio has always played a significant role in assisting the authorities with additional communication facilities during times of trouble, particularly natural disasters. This is often proffered as a feature when hams are battling to keep their existing frequency spectrum allocations or are trying to obtain new relaxations to their licence. Last episode we were talking about how ham radio must move with the times to ensure that their systems remain compatible with the official services they're working with. Sometimes, though, it is the fundamental groundwork for preparing to deploy to the location of a disaster which must be paid attention to. A relatively new radio amateur in the west of the USA has very quickly gripped this concept and now has a state-of-the-art facility ready to head out when the call comes. Radio amateur Frank Hutchinson's pandemic project started with a question. How could he better help communities during emergencies like natural disasters? Based in the state of Washington, USA, Frank is an assistant emergency coordinator for the Spokane County Amateur Radio Emergency Service. In his role, he needed to be able to deploy to any location and provide emergency communications and for extended periods of time. For example, two years ago during the wildfires in Oregon, a call went out for radio operators. Without a place to sleep, eat or to operate with his range of UHF and VHF and HF radios, he felt he'd be more of a burden than a help. At 71, the retired Navy commander and former Boy Scout leader said it became obvious that tent camping and sleeping rough were no longer wise. He decided to look for a trailer to fit out to his specific needs. Hutchinson's son, Richard, had introduced him to the world of amateur radio three years before. His son said that he was coming to Spokane for the annual Hamfest event and he paid for his dad to take the amateur radio licence test. Frank passed the test and then went on to take and pass two additional tests. However, he still didn't own a radio, but his son fixed that too. As soon as Frank had passed the tests, he was given a transceiver. The hobby quickly proved addictive. Frank said that he now owns 14 radios. But not content to just be a hobbyist, Frank quickly became involved in the Amateur Radio Relay League and the Amateur Radio Emergency Service through the Spokane County Department of Emergency Management. He also became a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints communication system. All told, he's completed 220 hours of training in the past three years. Frank commented that he has a terrible habit. Every time he gets involved in something, he ends up in a leadership role. After months of searching for a suitable trailer, finally, in October 2020, Frank's daughter found one on Facebook. It's a 1961 Santa Fe camper trailer that had been gutted by a previous owner, which gave Frank a blank slate to work with. He'd written a list of specifications, and using that, he began to work on the build last February. His naval experience came in handy. Frank said that one of the last courses he took in the Navy was submarine design. Gesturing to his newly fitted out trailer, he said that he used a lot of the submarine design knowledge in it. The first thing he created was a built-in communications centre for three radios. He tucked them neatly under a cabinet holding supplies and installed a slide-out desktop. Two heavy-duty rechargeable batteries, each capable of 100 amp hours, are stored in a cupboard above a file drawer. Two 200-watt solar panels on the roof power the lights inside the trailer. When electric power is available, handy USB ports can charge phones and computers. You can read the full Spokesman review article by Cindy Haval at www.spokesman.com. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time... This is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.